This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. All right. We're alive. We are alive. Flagrant Howls, faithful. Appreciate all your support here during these difficult, tumultuous morning times. <laughs> we are now a week, a week since uh, a week in change since the Timberwolves season unceremoniously came to an end. And we're here to, I think, give our our distanced thoughts on. Oh, it's been a week since the season ended, so let's give our thoughts now that we've had some time to collect ourselves and then look ahead. We've heard from all the key players in their postseason press conferences: the Tim Connellys, the Carl uh, Anthony Townses of the world, and the Chris Finches. So, Kyle, what is now that you've had a week to sit on this thing? What is the number one thing on your mind as it pertains to the Timberwolves heading into? The off season. I still, I still think it's who is making the decisions, right? Because there was that kind of infamous. Uh, I think Tim Conley started uh, exit interviews. Obviously, like you said, Chris Finch spoke. Conley Town spoke. I think Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, was too big for the podium up there. Literally, like a big his man feet, with it. His feet were like yeah. sticking out like a cartoon character. <laughs> right. Little white tennis shoes. Um, I, I should say it was a. It was disappointing that like Anthony Edwards didn't speak. Uh, I think maybe they used the whole that whole chair throwing incident, which we haven't really talked about either, which was one of the dumbest things in the world. Uh, I know you were pretty opinionated about that, but uh, no, I, I think I think overall it was exit interviews are pretty they're they're more important than media day, but they're still pretty useless. But I mean, you got some things out of Tim Conley. He said he's pretty committed uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves, which I could just, I couldn't stop thinking that if I told my wife I was pretty committed to the marriage, that that wouldn't go well. Uh, some of the married. beat writers are saying that hey, if and I didn't, I just saw the the quote too that his tone was more. But but you're right. Like he said, I'm pretty committed to the Timberwolves. Are you pretty committed? Are you fully committed? Do we want him to be pretty fully committed? Or right. Pretty committed? I don't he. Know. Uh, I will say he said it. I think during that that or when he was in Denver doing kind of holding court with the media that he's been doing this for like 25 years. He is no matter what we think about the Gobert trade, he is really well respected like I always bring back the summer league stuff like you talk to other people they're like oh I work for the Kings or I work for the Hornets it's like yeah, yeah dude we Tim Connolly's great to work with uh he might just not be a great public speaker or in those in those and he admitted that that day too but yeah I just could have done that better you could have been like yeah I'm not going anywhere I'm not I'm not trying to get out of here I signed a you know a four or five year deal for a lot of money I'm sticking here uh but then also too I mean that some, some of the stories that came out of that they did say that they like their starting five which okay um, that kind of means they probably are going to lean into the run it back, use the excuses of the injuries and a chaotic season to try to give it another chance. But as John Krasinski wrote coming out of exit interviews, is like they did admit that, okay, we know whose team this is. <laughs> it's Anthony Edwards' team. Yeah. Everything we do is going to be around Anthony Edwards, you know, maybe not at the level yet where like, I mean, he is 21. We're not going to give him roster decisions, but every move we make that's basketball centric has to be around how does it fit this kid because he has shown unlike Carl Anthony Towns or 
you know, even Rudy Gobert, think of all the things that had to happen this year to like, we got to prop up Rudy. We got to get rid of D'Lo. We got to get Mike Conley. We got to do this. Yeah. We got to do that. You know, like we got to fly the French flag on the plane. And it's just, he doesn't need that stuff. And he still can like, he can sail the ship amongst, you know, choppy water. So it was cool to hear them say like, yeah, everything we do moving forward is going to be about Ant. Um, but outside of that, it was just, you know, they, they do seem like they're going to run it back with Finch and Tim Connolly and the, and the starting five. So whether people like that or not, it's probably the safest option for now. And then you just kind of figure out that next big chess move, whether it be at the trade deadline of 2024 or next, next offseason. Yeah, I think you hit on my, my biggest takeaway. It did come from Tim Conley, like you said, that this is Anthony Edwards' team going forward. And I, I, and that's such a – I think people sometimes hate when we say that but because it's, it's, it's such a nebulous it's, – it's his team. Well, it's really like there's 15 guys on a roster or whatever, and it's like Chris Finch's team too. But, but what he meant by that is, like you said, all of the moves going yeah. forward are going to have to be made with – how do we maximize Anthony Edwards and how do we maximize the team with Anthony Edwards as the centerpiece? And, uh, and Tim Connolly also said he's the best 21 year old basketball player in the world and has potential to be one of the best players in the NBA. And it's the pressure is on me and the organization to make sure that he sees that through. Mm-hmm. And he's already sort of scratching the surface of being one of the best players in the NBA there's a lot of work there. I mean, that that Lakers playing game performance that can't happen. Yep. There's a lot of nights where he just doesn't want to play defense. And there's and J- Johnny K in his athletic piece brought up a good point too about when you're getting double teamed in that Nugget series and it's game three, it's game four, it's game five. They've scouted everything. They know all your tendencies and they're they're trapping you in the half court. You're gonna have to pass the ball to Rudy Gobert sometimes. Yeah, and he and so there's there's some things like that. I just want to make it clear that even though this is very very much a pro Anthony, this is an Anthony Edwards stand podcast. Let's not pretend like he's a finished product that has, you know, no criticism coming his way. He needs to get better in some certain ways too. But I agree with Tim Connolly. It became very evident in that post series, the post game, the postseason series against the Nuggets that. He's a guy you can reliably build around, a guy that ascends when the light is the brightest and a guy that works his ass off and adds a layer to his game every year. So I feel good about the Wolves' stance on that. Now it opens up a bunch of other questions, Kyle. Okay, if (laughs) Anthony's the centerpiece of this, does that mean that you're going to run the whole thing back? Does that make the most sense? Does it make sense to trade Carl Anthony Towns now while his value is still pretty high? Does it make sense to move off? Like All these questions over the next two months have to be addressed, but it's a... They're in a different position now with how they view Edwards than they were a year ago, and that's mm-hmm. really important. Yeah, and, you know, I guess if I'm going to try to give them any credit or, like, you know, I agree with that stance is that there wasn't this overarching we ha- we have to blow it up or we have to make this panic move. I mean, I wouldn't say the Gobert trade last July was a panic move, but it was like you tasted a little bit of success. And like, okay, let's just go all in. Yeah. Or, and I don't even, I'm going to try really hard to get people to stop saying all in. Cause if you know anything about car or playing poker, as you and I do, like the wolves aren't all in, whether you like it or not, they're not, they're, they're pot committed to this experiment, but all in is if I go all in on the poker table, I'm putting my Anthony Edwards chip in the middle. They haven't done that. They still have Ant, they still have Jaden, but they're very pot committed to this with the draft capital they traded up. So yeah, they're they're gonna try to you know figure it out. The, the the one thing I've learned is after the wolves get you know get bounced and get made fun of for twenty four hours, it's like then you look around and the hawks get bounced and they get made fun of and their future looks 
maybe even less bright than like the yeah. Wolves. They're just there's every team that gets eliminated from the postseason now, most of them have a guy over thirty, so that puts them already kind of in a more panic situation than the Timberwolves are. And a lot of those guys don't have a blue chipper. Like like Tim said at exit interviews, you know, Anthony Edwards is the best twenty one year old, I think, in the world. The uh the Athletic did a pretty cool um like under twenty three mock draft with some hmm. of their writers uh the other day. And so under twenty three eliminates like Jason Tatum. But round one, first pick overall, they took Anthony Edwards over John yeah. Morant, over Zion Williamson, over Evan Mobley. So we all kind that's of see the vision and it's good now that they're at least saying that because that's not something they were saying 12 months ago. And I mean, I don't know if we were saying it 12 months ago because Ant was great against the Grizzlies a year ago in the playoffs, but he wasn't what he is now. He wasn't an all-star. He wasn't the two-way guy more consistently. There's still, like Johnny K said, Ant has perfected almost at 21 playing one-on-one basketball. But to be that guy, you have to be able to perfect playing five-on-five basketball. You have to know when yeah. to get off of it. Yes, that includes throwing the ball to Rudy Gobert every now and then. Uh, and that's something he's going to have to work on this summer. But bright future ahead for him. Still think a bright future for the Wolves. But big decisions. Every offseason now, there's going to be big decisions for this roster and how they kind of build it around him. Yep. So I do have, maybe this is, maybe I'll give you a little sampling of this. But because people can go find this full episode on the Minnesota Sports with Mackie and this, Judd podcast. This is a good too. one. I have five Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns trade ideas. <laughs> Did you listen to that at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Instead of going through the full list again, and you and I will have plenty of time to flesh it out. If if you let's say the front office said today, okay, as part of our Anthony Edwards is the centerpiece plan here. It's not that we don't like him and Kat. Those guys like each other. They get along. There's some chemistry. I think they actually play pretty well off of each other. But if they Mm -hmm. decided we just need we need to leverage this asset into more assets. And that's the direction we're going to go. We're going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. Would you want it to be for an established player, like a like if the Celtics get beat in the second round or something and they decide it's time to trade Jalen Brown, he's got one year left in his deal, or would you rather it be for maybe a couple of younger pieces, like I floated the Knicks idea, like a, like an Emmanuel Quickly and somebody else, and then two or three first-round draft picks? What, what Which path would you like them to explore if they decided to trade Carl Anthony Towns? It's kind of a loaded question because, like, selfishly— You don't want to wanna... trade him. Well, not that I don't want to trade them. I don't at this point. But if I did, I also want a little bit of both. Like, the Jalen Brown thing is super interesting because— And five first-round picks. We'll take yeah. Jalen Brown, five first-round yeah. picks. Yeah, exactly. And- he uh, <laughs> he actually has—I think he's from Atlanta. Like, him and Ant actually have, like, a pretty detailed friendship in history. So that's like, okay, that's great. Let's—you know, I, I think Ant's going to sign his max extension this summer, and everything will be good, and we've talked about that before. But I also don't think—I mean, if you want a, just a dose of pessimism— um, the way the NBA works, I would probably bet my life that Anthony Edwards doesn't play his whole career in Minnesota. That's just how the league, for every wow. Steph Curry, for wait, every, wait, wait, wait. well, I mean, just like for every Steph Curry, there's you know a bunch of Kevin Durant's or guys that do bounce Awfully around right now. Then negative. <laughs> so you're already a classic tortured Timberwolves fan, though. Yeah. You already, you I've already moved on to the Kraken, baby. Right. You have, uh, I, uh, people, people, people get mad at me too because Mackie, you run all these guys out of town, then they go win championships. First, it was Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love, and then you wanted Wiggins ran out of town, and now you want Carl Anthony Towns ran out of town. It's like, well, first of all, Andrew Wiggins joining up with a dynasty and then winning a championship doesn't like prove your point about mm-hmm, you right. should have kept out. Like Wiggins was was the centerpiece here. Again, I keep saying this about Towns. If there's a way for Towns to organically become the third guy 
on a team that features Anthony Edwards as the main centerpiece, and then like another awesome player. Maybe it's maybe Jaden McDaniels turns into Kawhi Leonard or something in mm-hmm. two or three years. And then Carl Anthony Towns is there as a great complimentary Kevin Love on the Cavs type piece. Sign me up, dude. Sign me up for that. It's just really hard salary wise and ego wise to, to make that happen. So just wanted yeah, and, and just to clarify, like I don't think there's any rumblings or any issues whatsoever. It's just when you watch the league, I mean, look at the Lakers roster. It's just all dudes that were top, top draft picks that then left their team and went out. I mean, it's just how the league works. So I think Ant's fine. I would hope that Ant has more of like a Devin Booker career where he he gets through the lean years and they keep taking swings. They go for Chris Paul. They go for Kevin Durant. Like So that goes back to this Carl trade hypothesis is like a Jalen Brown would be great because that's a guy that fits right now, fits a window. Um, or like the one I didn't like, if you want my direct opinion, the Knicks one, uh, I think Obi Toppin is not good. I think no. Obi, Toppin, Obi Toppin is like uh, – fart away from 30 years old. I mean, he was drafted as an old rookie. Uh, and then Emmanuel quickly, it's like, okay, yeah, that'd be great. Um, and I saw what you're trying to do. That's kind of more of add some guys that fit his timeline more. But if you do move Carl, again, people that get mad about that, it's probably because you admit that he just has more value than Rudy and you're maybe too pot committed. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we got we to gotta get more assets. So we kind of already screwed ourselves by going for Rudy. So now we have to move Carl. But yeah, I would want I would want some sort of contributor now and some picks so you just kind of restack. But I also know that I don't want if you trade Carl this team to take a step back because going back to the exit interviews, Tim Conley said this, I think Chris Finch said this, like there is a massive massive importance in putting Ant in games that matter compared yes. to Jalen Green in Houston or LaMelo Ball and with the Hornets like the playoffs are the expectation, whether, you know, I know it's the Minnesota Timberwolves, but every year moving forward, this team should be one of the top eight teams, you know, maybe 10 teams or whatever. Uh, you don't want Ant to start settling into bad habits where he's on a lottery team or he's on a tanking team by any means. So if you do move Carl, whether it be this summer or next summer, you do move Rudy, it needs to be for guys that are either fit the window of Ant and Jaden or can come in and contribute like a Mike Conley did, you know, like some of these other, like Kyle Anderson has done since signing here, uh, but your, your, your trade ideas weren't bad. I just didn't like the Knicks one because I don't think those Knicks picks will ever be good. And I'm just so yeah. an Ant or an Obi Toppin hater. And it's uh, for me, it's way, 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 way more about a guy like Emmanuel Quickly, who I think mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. playing behind Jalen Brunson, you know, former Kentucky kid. He was like a later first round pick, I want to say 20 something. And he has one of the things I love about him is A, he would come in and instantly be the successor to Mike. He'd probably come off the bench the first year. Mm-hmm. Just like he is in New York, and then he would emerge into his mid twenties as your starting ball handler. Mm-hmm. He has added layers to his game all three years he's been in the NBA, and you know, but he's a bench player. Well, Tom Thibodeau plays a six man rotation, <laughs> right? Tom Thibodeau plays his starter, especially in, in the playoffs. He's going to play his starters forty two minutes apiece in the postseason. Right. Quickly is a really good player who's getting better. He's getting better as a rim converter. He's added sort of a mid range game uh, to his repertoire. So, okay, I I'm also just a huge stand for guys like Emmanuel quickly, just sort of that Mm -hmm. combo guard who can make plays and plays with energy. I think that type of guy would work really well around Anthony Edwards. But um, yeah, to your point, it's hard because you're trying to figure out in a perfect world, you wouldn't feel forced to trade towns if you don't want to. But, but one thing Tim Connolly did say that was striking to me, and I'm not sure if he meant it specifically or if he was just talking generally, he said, we want to surround Anthony Edwards with winning players 
to maximize because a lot of guys take their lumps and as they develop, they're losing a bunch of games and then they just don't become the best version of themselves or they don't learn how to win. Is he referring to this roster specifically? Because you could make a very strong case, whether it's his fault or the organization's. Carl Anthony Towns, by definition, is not a winning basketball player. He's been in the NBA for eight years. And Timberwolves teams, when he plays in a game, are 60-plus games under 500 in those eight years. So does, does and now you and I can't answer this question, I'd love to ask Tim, he, he, you know he thinks Rudy's a winning player because those Jazz teams constantly went to the playoffs. They were always winning or flirting with 50 wins, right? So he, know, he thinks Rudy's a winning player. That's why he acquired Rudy. Does he think Cat is a winning player? Because, again, he said specifically, we want to surround Ant with winning players. Tim Connolly, do you think Carl Anthony Towns is a winning player? And I'd be curious to know, he, he'd never give you an answer in public, right? What is his in-private answer to that question? And it's, it's very much chicken and egg, right? Because you can't, yeah. we do it all the time, but like we can't rip the Timberwolves for 34 years of dysfunction and you know chaos and then also be like, well, and, and, and I, this is just an open conversation. And then, like, blame Carl. Like, Andrew Wiggins wasn't a winning player. But then we found out that if he just went to a more stable organization, it's like, oh, actually, he knows how to, like... Again, he he, he knows how to... It's like a third or fourth complimentary piece. Yeah. He's absolutely a winning piece to a championship team. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. so, same with Carl. It's like that, And that's why I just... I've said this before. I have a soft spot in my fandom heart for him is because I do think... There's one side of it, It's like, yeah, he's gotten paid a quarter of a billion dollars in his career. Like, figure it out. Totally get that. But I also think in like my work, it's nice to work for a place that's stable and you know has communication and like there's good vibes. And Carl's been through what seven GMs in eight years and a half dozen coaches. So that's something for Tim to figure out. It's you know is it the chicken or is it the egg? Is it Carl's not a winning player or we haven't been a winning organization? There's probably a combination of both. Um, but I just think that if a Carl trade happens, a Rudy trade happens, any trade happens, we now kind of have a clarity that it will be in the prism of what return is going to help Ant take another leap. And also too, just like what are, what, what players or what types of things do we want to put around him? I just, I'm not ready to cut the cord on Carl yet because I want to see that like, you know, it, I don't want to be like, well, we made a mistake with Rudy and now we're going to make another mistake by, well, if his value has decreased so much in this market, we got to trade the other guy. So it'll be an interesting summer. I I know Doogie had a Bobby Marks on, uh, the scoop the other day, and Bobby Marks was like, it's a lot easier to trade Carl now than it is next summer because his mm-hmm. contract really balloons next year. And that's that's true, but we'll see. There, there's there's a chance that because Mark Laurie is heavily involved in this now and only getting more involved, that they might just try to, quote-unquote, run it back with some more complimentary pieces. You obviously have Mike Conley in there now who fits much better than D'Lo. Uh, maybe grow some of the younger guys you brought in, like Wendell Moore can replace Jordan McLaughlin, Josh Minor can get some run. Um, Nas Reed, I think is the number one topic all summer, even more than like a potential blockbuster trade. It's like that guy was really good and you developed him. Can you keep him here? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to be a crazy off season, but I think the thing they'll prioritize first is trying to keep their own guys, Nas and Nas, and then, you know, see what the market is. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you, how much you've been following the NBA because you've been just hosting, you know, packed just, events for football, but, just uh, been, just been, uh, yeah. Talking about uh, fifth round draft pick quarterbacks for the last week. Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. Uh, there's already been a ton of scheme. If, if you're a Wolves fan that you don't really cover the NBA or follow the NBA in the offseason, uh, that like Donovan Mitchell, the first chance he gets is out of Cleveland. 
And they just traded for Donovan Mitchell last year, and they gave up what I would argue is the same level of like they gave up the most improved player in the league and marking mm-hmm. it and a really good rookie and a bunch of picks as well. So between, you know, you said Jalen Brown, the James Harden noise to Houston, Trey Young out of Atlanta. I mean, there's so many guys this summer already that are going to be the next to ask out or be involved in these big trades. So long story short, if they trade Carl, I'm a firm believer that they're going to get a ton of value because you mm-hmm. still just get value for really good players, even if we haven't proven yet that they're winning players. Trey Young hasn't really proven to me that he's a winning player, but he's going to get a ton in the open market if, if he's put on the trade table. Yeah, so that'll be something to watch, the Carl Anthony Towns situation this offseason, or maybe they'll just be all quiet. Uh, there's a, I, I want to play a little a little game here with you in a second. I want you to, I'm going to shout out one of our new partners here on Ooh. Flagrant Howls while you pull up Jaden McDaniel's basketball reference page. Got it. Go to the per game section because I want to okay. do a player a player A player B blind test with you in a second. Ooh, I love here. this. But a shout out to our new friends at Power Lodge and Miller Marine. Okay, if you're looking for some throttle therapy, some some water therapy, listen, Wolves fans, there's nothing more relaxing when you're trying to you know kick the the sting of another disappointing <laughs> season than getting out on a lake. There's a lot of them in the state of Minnesota. And uh, and picking your power. So this weekend, now through Saturday, May 6th, is your last chance to cruise on the lake in style and save money doing it. It's the Power Lodge Miller Marine Power Sale. And during this sale, you can find your boat or pontoon. I'm a big pontoon guy myself, Kyle. Love I just pontoons. love love them. Just uh, a koozie and a pontoon and some sunshine. And mm, I am off to the races. Whatever boat or pontoon is right for you and your next Remember When family moment. And thanks again to Power Lodge and Miller Marine for jumping on board here at Score North and on Flagrant House. Head to PowerLodge.com or MillerMarine.com to check out their inventory and selection. Eating better is easy with Factors. Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save, and we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash Howells50 and use code Howells50 to get 50% off. That's code Howells50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals. So, all right, you got Jay McDaniels up there? Yes, sir. So I think real quick before we do the the player comparison here, he's up for a big contract. And I yep. believe Bobby Marks on that Scoop podcast with Doogie said there it, it could be a four-year deal, could also be a five-year deal, and it's almost certainly going to be in the 20 to $25 million per year range. So Jade McDaniels is going to go from a guy that, hey, kind of a late first-round steal – a really interesting role player gets to kind of settle in first three years and becomes one of the best defensive, just a really good role player with emphasis on defense and his three point shot came around, but he's going to be making the type of money to the salary cap starting soon. If you pay him. And I think they will. Tim Connolly said the first day that we're allowed to do this officially, we're going to offer him a Brinks truck worth of money. And hopefully he says, yes, 
He is a sneaky, underrated, huge wild card for this franchise. Oh, yeah. Because he he could explode into something much bigger. If he stays the same, I don't know that he's worth a five-year, a four or five-year, $100 million contract. But you're sitting here, like, who who can be the Robin to Anthony Edwards' Batman for the next five or six years? It could be him. Or he could be a sort of overpaid role player that you thought was going to be more than he was, right? So I'm just before we get into the player comparison, I'm so fascinated to see what they do with Jade McDaniels and what he becomes as a player starting this season. The if you haven't listened to Doogie's podcast with Bobby Marks, everyone should. It was really good. I uh not to scoop my not to scoop our own friend, but I got drunk a couple weeks ago and tried DMing uh, Bobby Marks and he got back to me. So uh, we were talking about that too, and he brought up hey, four. Bobby, are you up? <laughs> I, I was. Uh, it was at eleven fifty nine p.m. on the West Coast, which I have another topic on that. But uh, so I just drunk DM'd him, and How? he said this. He said the same thing. He's like, you know, that kind of DeAndre Hunter extension for one ten four years, hundred ten million, or the five one thirty. as Doogie and Bobby talk about, like the new CAB, CBA allows for that fifth year, so that'd be great because you always want to lock up these guys if you do think that they're more of a foundational piece and not a wild card for as long as possible mm-hmm. but Bobby also brought it up too he's like it's going to get this team we just talked about Carl and the town trades whatever this team is going to get really expensive really fast so if they do sign Ant and they do sign Jaden and they don't make any big trades Bobby was saying that 150 plus million committed to four guys in 24-25 uh that's going to make you before you even try to fill out the rest of the roster that's going to make you a tax team and now there's like the second tax or this whatever. Um, it's going to be something that we talk about a lot next season on this pod and throughout the fan base is this final step in the transition of new ownership. And it's like, okay, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez have got a lot, you know, they got to take their shoes off, they get to fly on the plane, they get to wear the polos, they get to do all the cool stuff. But no longer is it like at the end of the day, well, you know, Papa Glenn's going to pay for it. Like that's going to yeah. be on you. So that is a massive, massive thing to think about. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm very much in the camp. People know this. I don't think Jane McDowns is a wild card, in, in my opinion. I mean, I think he's, in my opinion, I think he's the second most important person of the franchise. If we know yeah. that everything's about Ant, because, and you're going to hit me with some comps, but he's 22. He's, Here, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hit me. This will be, be a fun exercise. So let's. You, so I just want you to read down. You're on the per game section of Jane yep. McDaniels, right? Yep. I want you to look at his third year, so this last year, and I'm going to go through some different categories. And uh, just to make it less mathy for the audience, just round up or down to the nearest whole number when okay. I ask you. Okay. So instead of saying like, you know, 1.9 assists, <laughs> you can just round it to two. That's how my so brain we can works. Not confuse people. All right. So I'm going to give you a category. You give me the number for Jade McDaniels in that category per game, and I'll give you the number for player B. All right. Okay. So third season in the NBA, uh, age 22. 22. Minutes per game? Uh, 31. 29. Okay. Okay. Field goals per game? Field goal, uh, nine. Oh, uh, actual makes per game. Oh, okay. Um, five. Five? Interesting. Uh, what about a ten? How about field goal percentage? 52%. 52% on mine, too? It's crazy. <laughs> what about three-point percentage? Forty percent from three this season. Thirty-eight percent for my okay. player. Pretty, pretty good. Okay, what about uh, two-point percentage? Uh fifty-nine percent. 
A career 58, high. 58%. A career okay. high also at this point in this player's career. Wow, this, are we read? Are you sure? I'm, <laughs> am I reading Jaden McDaniel's third year? It's crazy. What about? Um, let's go uh, free throw percentage. Ooh, seventy four percent on the season. Eighty percent. So okay. my guy, my guy has you slightly there, but both pretty good. What about total rebounds per game? Four, four okay. rebounds a game. Six for my guy. So a okay. little, little bit better. Yeah. How about assists? Uh, two career high, two assists, two, two for my guy as well. Okay. Uh, what about uh, combined steals and blocks per game? Just under two, so two stocks, blocks and steals combined. Two and a half exactly for mine. Okay. So we're, wow, this is kind of crazy actually. Okay. What about points per game? A career high twelve points uh, after he had seven his rookie year, nine his second year, and twelve last year. Twelve and a half for my guy. Okay. Crazy. So pretty much the same player at age. And by the way, first round pick for me, but not lottery. Okay, I was gonna say, God, if you're about to hit right. me with like, if you're about to hit me with this is all Wes Johnson's third year, I'm gonna be hella sad, dude. But that's not where we're going. Okay, keep it positive. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I yes, yes, I. Both quiet, both nondescript, both not lottery picks. I'm not saying Jaden's for sure gonna be Kawhi. I'm just saying. There's there's some interesting comparisons through age 22 between the two guys. Now Kawhi got to be part of the greatest developmental infrastructure in mm-hmm, our right. lifetimes, right? He got to play with. All right, Kawhi, just go be Kawhi behind Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and a bunch of other dudes, and then and then the responsibility fell on him, probably like two years after this, like age 24, 25, and it became his franchise, right? But I. I he always kind of, Jaden kind of reminds me of Kawhi, on ball defender, a guy that early in his career is kind of a three and D player, really quiet and soft spoken, but a fiery passion that burns yeah. underneath, right? A mid range game as well. So I don't know. I started looking through. I'm like, oh, how does he compare to Kawhi? Literally the same statistical player in their in their That's third clear. year at age 22. Yeah, in a concrete wall on defense. Yeah, uh, and so. Well, Stay oh, away yeah, from wait, actually, bad. Take that out. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I would say, too, that as you start to figure out this roster, and let's say they run it back, or let's say they do trade one of their big guys down the road. I mean, I, you could make an argument. I mean, Ant's going to make way more money than Jaden, even though we just said Jaden's going to get a massive, massive pay raise. Um, but I still think there's just a lot untapped. Like, I would say that, you know, yeah. I want Jaden, as I'm probably the biggest fan of him. Like, yes, I would love for him to make five years, 130. Whatever it does to the books, I don't care. But I also was like, hey, I need you to just average six rebounds. Like, you're, you're 6'10", and if you do trade Conley yes. Towns out down the road, it's like you can't have nine field goal attempts a game. you got to get that to 12, right? you, you got to have— In fact, if you, if you traded Towns and you got back, like, a Jalen Brown or, a, um, like, a Macal Bridges or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a good six foot six scoring wing player, and you figure out how to make it work with Anthony Edwards, then Jade McDaniels either has to be— a small four, mm-hmm. which he which can't, he can't really rebound. Yeah. yeah. Or come off the bench for 28, 30 minutes a game as, as just one of the best six men in the NBA, right? Yeah, and that's, I think, an easier way to say it is that if, if they do decide to unload one of the bigs, and it would maybe be Carl down the road because whether it be salary cap or just you think you can get more from, you'd also just be like, hey, you... Like, I think it's great that Jaden didn't get drafted by the Hornets, where he was just thrown into 20 and 62 teams and was allowed to just, you know, he would average 24 a game, right? I mean, you saw mm-hmm. what Mikel Bridges did when he went to the Nets. 
It's like, oh, I don't no longer have to be the three and D guy. I'm the focal point of the offense. I understand basketball just enough that it's like if Jaden was in that role, he would do the same thing. He did it. I know it's not the same level of competition, but he did it in summer league. He did it in you know pro ams where it's like, oh, the ball is mine every possession. Like I'm hardened. Yeah, yeah I'll go Didn't drop he 55. 50 points in the pro am game with yeah, some other he did NBA it, like, players on, on the like Paulo Bancaro, the rookie yeah. of the year. Like he did it up in Seattle against some of the guys that are like also really good players. So I do think you look across his basketball reference page. Like I said, the points have gone up every year. Um, rebounds down a little bit, but how much of that is like a Gobert thing? But if he's going to make five years, you know, get five years, 130, he can't be averaging 12 points and four rebounds. It's got to mm-hmm. be, you know, 17, 18 points a game, which there are dudes who average 20 in the league right now that are, I mean, like that are close to bumps. Like, I mean, you just, everyone scores. So he needs to get his scoring up. He needs to get his rebounding up. He needs to get to the line more. But I think the Kawhi Leonard stuff is like, we just remember Kawhi and Paul George being awesome. And they weren't awesome like those first couple years. They were really good prospects, but they took some years to figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really do think the Jane McDaniels conversation is he is the second most important guy. He has shown no, like, desire to be the, like, to be the face of a franchise or to be, like, a guy that causes issues. It's Ant's team. But you need a running mate. That's what we're learning in the playoffs now. Like, Jokic has his Jamal Murray. Uh, you know, Steph has his Clay. Like, all these guys have their second guy that can do a lot of things that maybe he can't do and and can guard but he can't guard like Jaden and in a league where you know you need to have defense and get stops some of these playoff games are 89 87 you got to have guys that can play both ways and Jaden would be again this summer's gonna be big you got to pay them both as, as Tim said they're gonna have offers in their inbox I don't know if that was actually like I don't know if they're going to email these contracts to. Yeah, I'd love to see like Jaden's PDF file, or is yeah. it just like a like is it a one sheet? What do you what do you send the full contract? I don't is know. Is it just a works. picture of money? Like I don't know, but I would love to see <laughs> Jaden McDaniel's just like open up a Gmail account and be like, oh wow, one hundred thirty million dollars. The Paul George you brought up Paul George, you know, kind of with Kawhi Leonard, and I had forgotten. So I, at first, I thought Paul George. I thought for some reason that he wasn't the lottery pick; that he was like drafted twentieth or something. He was the tenth overall pick. Yep. He was lottery pick. Uh, but it, but it wasn't quick to fire, man. You know, it took him his first year with the Pacers. He was 20 years old, just like Jaden. He averaged at eight points in 21 minutes and three rebounds. Wasn't a great three-point shooter. And then the second year with the Pacers, there was a little bit of a leap to 12 points. And, okay, going to grab a couple more rebounds. Now my, my, his three-point shooting kind of came around in the second year. And, yep. And just like Jaden's three point shooting came around a lot this year. Now he's only it's only on like two attempts a game. So what would it look like if he's if he's taken five or six a game? We'd have to find out. But Paul George became an all star in year three. But by the time he hit 22, 23 years old, he then kind of exploded and became the player that we've seen for the last ten years. So th- does Jaden McDaniels have the Kawhi Paul George type leap to his game. I think if you look at him physically and what he can do, he can dribble drive, he can shoot, he's got a mid-range game, he can defend. I think he can rebound if it became a point of emphasis. It's funny, Andrew Wiggins couldn't rebound either until he got to a culture where they said, dude, we need you to rebound. Right. He's like, oh, rebounding. Okay, here's 13 in a conference finals game, right? So it's it's in there if, if he just taps into it. And if you consider, which I do, well, especially on this roster, but if you consider Jaden to be more of a perimeter player, right, guarding guys in the perimeter, but also just being out there, uh, mm-hmm. that was another thing from exit interviews where I think Finch was pretty just straightforward and blunt that our our guards, he said, but need to rebound better. That's one way we address that issue, and I think he threw Jaden into that mix. So uh, another thing I like about Jaden, too, is if you go look at his you know basketball reference page, 
he's averaging, you know, 70-some games a season. He played 79 this last year, and I think the reason he missed a couple was, like, maybe the flu or something. It wasn't because of the the punching the wall thing because that was more postseason. So going back to that uh, athletic mock draft under 23, again, it's just one exercise, but they drafted him ahead of, like, Keegan Murray or Chet Holmgren or Scotty Barnes. I mean, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner for the Magic, those are guys that those fan bases deem, like, foundational you know, building blocks, potential all-star guys. And they have Jaden, you know, in this exercise ranked above those guys. So he is, uh, he's probably not as important as Ant because I don't know how many people are when you're number one, 21 year old in the league. But, uh, I think he is maybe not even a two, like maybe he's one B to Ant's one A. In terms of franchise importance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree for different reasons. I mean, Ant as the, as the heavy load offensively and just the superstar, you know, volume usage player, but Jaden as a guy that you really, if you want this timeline to line up that Anthony Edwards is going to be at his prime in five or six years, Jaden McDaniels being the Robin would be the best case scenario. So two, two guys that I'm going to unfortunately say goodbye to here. This is my last thought and we can, by the way, if you, if, if you guys have thoughts, the audience out there on what you want oh. us to talk about or guess you'd like us to have on throughout the off season, we will do flagrant howls weekly. Yep. Maybe even more once we get to like free agency season, but, but just hit us up with ideas and suggestions of what you want us to talk about and we will address it. But two guys that I was probably unnecessarily high on throughout the year and going into last year, I, I got to clear them off the roster. One of them's a free agent. The other one's got a non-guarantee contract. Pour one out for Jalen Noel and Jordan McLaughlin. I, I think I'm saying goodbye to both those guys. J- Jalen Noel is like 100% gone. Uh, I think it would probably be best for him, too, to go to a new organization. I thought the Wolves actually did a pretty good job of developing him. Uh, he was kind of a steal in the second round. I remember back then, like, they kind of played hardball with his contract. He does not lack confidence in himself yeah. uh, to the point where I wonder if sometimes his confidence gets in the way of, like, development. I remember at media day, I was like, hey, you know, you've really kind of maybe struggled from like a spot up three standpoint and you're going to get a lot of those, maybe change your shot a little bit. He's like, no, why would I do that? It's like, well, if you look at your statistics, like you weren't really letting it fly from out there burning down the net. So he's gone. I wish him well because he's a really cool player to talk to. And I think he was a nice little fixture for these last three or four years. And then the Jordan McLaughlin thing. I wonder if his calf held him back a little bit. He had kind of a similar Carl Anthony Towns calf injury, but if he's back, and I like him a lot, he's like a great pillar of the community. If he's back, then like, what's Wendell Moore's role? Yeah. So at a bare minimum, if you're like, well, what do they do with Wendell Moore in year two? Give him the Jordan McLaughlin minutes. Give him you know spot minutes off the bench. Maybe you know higher in games that Mike Conley needs a blow or just doesn't want to. You know, can't play all eighty two. But I would be absolutely shocked if either of those guys is back next season. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really rough watching Jordan McLaughlin just wide open in the corner in some of these big games, mm-hmm. just not being able to hit the the broad side of the barn. So you got to be able to hit some shots, and I do think getting more you know further removed from the calf injury, will he go back for some team to just being a really good fifteen minutes off the bench guy that can keep the offense moving? Yes, but at the end of the day, like you got to you got to shoot the ball. The, the Wolves have had so many interesting players that can't shoot over the last ten years. Yeah, boy, if that guy could yeah. just knock a jump shot down, could you imagine how good of a player he would be? Even going back to, like, Corey Brewer. You know, Corey Brewer dropped 50 points in a game one time and couldn't shoot. Or, it's, so. or like, either they get to Minnesota and they can't shoot, or, like, in Mike Miller's case, he was a flamethrower and they just yeah. don't shoot. So uh, <laughs> even that's been my quarries with, with Carl has been, like, you're 
the quote-unquote best shooting big man of all time, why are we just not shooting nine threes a game? So I'm very confident both those guys will find roles. I mean, the Phoenix Suns would love a guy like Jordan McLaughlin off the bench just to kind of keep people, you know, he's dollar store Tyus Jones. Uh, and Jalen Noel, too, he'll he'll find a spot. He would probably benefit from, like, a Hornets situation where it's like, we're probably going to go 25 and 55 or whatever, but we'll get you 20 minutes a game, and that way you can kind of build yourself back up. Because he yeah. – it was just, it was less than a year ago, Phil, when Chris Finch called Jalen, like, a core part of the franchise. And it's I like, well, then you just started DNPing him. So, yeah, tough well, he, Yeah, and it – Man, if it, it's like his shot never his shot no. looks great oftentimes, but just he just couldn't figure it out. So, um, yeah. And by the way, if you guys could also too, if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, if you could click the subscribe button and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel, help spread the word about Flagrant Howls. And uh, we're gonna try and get this thing as high as we can throughout the off season on the Apple charts as well. So, yes, a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts goes a long way to growing this show. Any final thoughts from you here as we embark into off-season conversations on this show? Yeah, I'm just I feel like Doogie today. I'm just going into my my notes here. Uh Alexi Schved, I don't know if you remember him, I but saw a TMZ report. He got beat up outside a hospital? Yeah, I think he's actually doing some cool stuff. Like I think he's back in Russia. Uh he had like op- opened his own restaurant or something. He had gotten like jumped by like they had described it as hooligans. Um but it sounds like his health is kind of in dire straits but i really he was one of my first like oh that guy if he just does this the wolves might have found a guy that's back in the you know early stages where you kind of grasp to the fringe bench players to be like maybe he's the hope for this 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 franchise but i liked watching him and i I was a bummer to see that he's kind of going through some health stuff right now um i saw did you see that tim conley received a third place vote for executive of the year i did see that what do you think that's all about there's two two ways I can think of it. Either Danny Ainge voted for him, uh, just as an absolute joke, or there. And I this is what I really believe. And we'll get into this in the summer. But uh, I think there are because that that is not a media vote. That is executives give other executives votes. I think there's more teams out there that maybe liked what the Wolves did. I mean, all the fans are like that was one of the worst trades in NBA history. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some GMs out there that are always like, you know, if we got that guy in our system, like we we like that Tim tried to have two big guys. So and then the just, Conley the Conley D'Lo trade getting yeah gnaw and some second round picks right it just makes you wonder like if they do decide to maybe flirt with what's the market like for Rudy even though he's seventy cents on the dollar. I yeah, wonder go if there's call a, go call the team that voted for you. Yeah, in third exactly. Place. Exactly. And then uh <laughs> no I am gonna start doing this in the summer, but I wanna just I'm gonna throw you a random question at the end to uh just get the get the commenters engaged. Uh I stole this from Ryan Rosillo, but as someone who used to live out here in my neighborhood, uh now you're back in the central time zone, uh they had a little discussion on the Rosillo pod uh, on Life of Ice about the best time zone for sports. Oh West Coast. To, Okay, I just wanted. I knew you Is were. Is there any other me. answer to that? They uh, it can't be East Coast. They said Mountain Time, which is kind of you know obviously literally yeah. in the middle. But I, I am a Midwesterner through and through. I love my home state and my home region. But I just want to let for the five people that dis, like, there is not a better time zone for football, for basketball, for hockey than the West Coast. Yeah, well, for, football at ten o'clock in the morning. It's great. People that don't get it, like we all, we're all adults now. We all get up at six thirty-seven, even when we're hungover. Like yeah. a couple hours, make some breakfast, get some chores done. Football, and also sports are done by the time eight o'clock rolls around. To may, maybe ten o'clock for the late night games. The late yep. night games, which are seven o'clock games, 
on the West Coast. So yeah, dude, I, I, I'm still. So we've been back for three months now uh, in Minneapolis, and it's been great. Love it. Like today, 77 degrees, sunshine. Mm. Let's get it. But uh, I still struggle with these late night tips. I wanted so badly to watch Lakers Warriors, but God, I'm like this game's gonna go till 12:30. Got got meetings in the morning. Got to get rocking and rolling. So it is. Uh, it's a little tougher, but yeah, West Coast sports viewing. I Again, say. I don't. Uh, I don't disparage anyone in the Midwest, but it's just it's it's a tough hang. Or going back to the the four time zones. Anyone that's listening from the East Coast, we love you listening and and partaking in this conversation. That is such a terrible time zone for sports. It's not even like in the ring. Like if they're if this is a battle between the Central time zone and the West Coast time zone, the East Coast time zone can't even hang because well, that does, sucks. Yeah. So you're telling me these West Coast playoff games are like some of these Wolves Nuggets games, right? They're tipping off at 10:40 Eastern time. It's insane. Like yeah, so I the Nuggets and Suns have a weird schedule. Like they don't play till Friday. But that's seven. That's a ten o'clock tip. I don't even care if it's a Friday. Like ten o'clock tip for a game that can go three, three and a half hours. So I just wanted to get your opinion. I'll, I'll bring you better ones. That was kind of a softball. But no, I uh, like it. Bring some random questions. Yes, we've we've done the. Would you rather like fight a shark or a bear? And now we'll do time zones. And I'll I'll come up with something for next week. Love it, man. Awesome. Well, thanks to everyone for making this podcast a thing over the last year, despite the Timberwolves season coming to an end in a shorter fashion than we wanted. But we're here all off season. We'll have a ton of speculation, and we'll get some guests on the show as well. So for Kyle, I'm Phil. This is your favorite, hopefully, Timberwolves lifestyle (laughs) podcast, Flagrant Howls.